Matthew 16, 24. Uh, Matthew 16, 24. I wish I had a pretty sermon, but I, I don't have that. In fact, you know, whenever you give a warning, there's like a collective gasp. But I am going to give you a little warning that this may get ugly. I was like, oh. Before it gets pretty, but it will get pretty in the end. Um, I do have good news, but it will be preceded by what is perceived by some to be bad news. But it's not bad news, all right? So here we go. I've been pondering this three, pat, this three verses of Scripture. And um, let's just, we'll just do it. All right, here we go. Then Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciples, say, I'm a disciple. So this is written to us. <clears throat> if any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You look at your neighbor and repeat those words. If you want to be a disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and you have to follow Jesus. Well, I think you took it pretty well. <laughs> we really haven't talked about it yet, though. What does that mean? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, Jesus said, for my sake, shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give? What is worthwhile to a person that they'd be willing to so sell themselves short that they would take their soul and say, I'll tell you what, if you'll give me that, I'll trade my eternal destiny and I'll trade my soul for if I can just have that. I would say under, under this roof right now and the presence that we're in right now, we would say that is the greatest foolishness that any person could ever do to give away something so great for something so little. But the words that Jesus gives us are the keys to our spiritual life. He said... He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to preach this morning. We've, we've been on a theme. I'd like to teach, preach, tell, yell. I don't know. Self-denial. That's what I want to preach about. But I'm not going to end it there. As I was in study this week, I thought, wow, that's, is that it? But it's self-denial to revival. And that's where I want to land at if the Lord will help us. Now, when I say revival, I don't mean corporate. When I say revival, I mean personal. I mean me, me right here. Jesus' name. If I can learn the power of self-denial, what does that mean? If I can learn the power of taking my cross and I can learn what that means, then I and my life can have a revolution, revival, a restoration in my own life. There's a lot of people that need help in their lives and they're going to all the wrong places to get it. They're feeding themselves. Me, 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 more of me, more of me. I need this, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. And is it working? No, it's not working. But what Jesus says, if I can learn to die if I can learn self-denial and, and I can learn to carry my cross, then it will lead to restoration in my life and it will lead to revival in my life. Hmm. Jesus' name, you can be seated. I'm going to do my best if you'll just pray for me, pray with me, and preach with me. Self-denial to revival. The greatest life who ever lived, Jesus Christ, the greatest life who ever lived. He was born of a virgin, and I know the, the crowd that I'm in here this morning, we could very rowdily say, amen, and it would be true, theologically and doctrinally. I think most of us here today would nod our head in affirmation. Say, yes, he was born of a virgin. Yes, we affirm that biblical truth. He was born of a virgin. But do you know what that meant to our lovely Lord? He was born of a virgin. 
in that religious community that Jesus was born into. Listen very closely to me. In the community that Jesus was born into, that meant that his mama was deemed and considered by culture around him to be a promiscuous woman. Hear what I'm saying? His mama. He was born. He was born of a virgin. Amen. Thank God. No. For him, what that meant was that all the young years of his life growing up, he was that illegitimate boy because his mama was a promiscuous woman. On the playground, and again, we don't get it because this is America. This is not ancient Israel. This is not a people that are steeped in Jewish law and righteousness and truth. And we live in a very different world, but in his world, he would have been mocked as a child, as a boy that did not have a legitimate father. And even the father that he did have, Joseph, a good man that he was, that we could thank God for Joseph, that he was willing to stand in and be young Jesus' daddy, but everybody in town knew he ain't your daddy. Not your daddy. No, he's not. There was a black mark that was placed upon his life in this little religious community that he grew up in, and the rumor mill churned out the degrading gossip that he would then have to live with for the rest of his life. Many of them, rumors said it, that he was the son of a Roman soldier, Pantera. They called him Ben Pantera. He was the son, illegitimately born. And what are you saying? I'm saying the greatest life that ever lived. Since his young years as a little child was looked down upon in his own very small cloister of a religious community. They didn't think much of him. He bore this upon his life. As the oldest child, his stepdad was so good to him, schooled him in the trade craft that would define his early life. He became a carpenter. He was a woodworker. He would build furniture probably. He would... His daddy took him out to the wood shop and taught him how to make tools and use tools. And he built household items and he, he became a, a carpenter. His hands were rough hands. They were blue collar hands. They were strong hands. They were calloused hands. I think if Jesus showed up in Grand Rapids today, he would be very comfortable because we're blue collar. Come on, somebody. We're blue collar. We're just, we're just real people. We're common he was viewed very much as a common man among common people. As a young man, he disciplined his mind to learning and letters. He wrestled his will as a young, young boy to do the will of his father. Many believe, as tradition says, that his good stepdad died when he was young. And so upon young Jesus was laid uh, the responsibility of supporting his family. He's the oldest supporting his family with his craft and with his trade. What are you saying? I'm saying that we love Jesus, the greatest life that ever lived, but do we realize how difficult that Jesus' life really was? I'm talking about from his youth. I'm not just talking about Calvary. I'm talking about his entire life. He was typified and he is called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. If you were to meet him, he was a person that was well acquainted with the difficulties of life and the challenges of life. And he was hated by people. He was mistreated, mocked and maligned. His life was not an easy life. And on top of this, the responsibility was laid upon him of his heavenly father. Notice with me what Hebrews says of him. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. Notice with me, because this will help all of us. Yet learned he obedience. How did young Jesus, the human form of God, how did he as a man, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, going through everything that we went through? How did he learn? How did he mature as a boy, as a man? The Bible tells us he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's a popular message, isn't it? You're like, Pastor, we were hoping for happy slappy this morning. That's the truth. Jesus learned obedience as a human being, as a man, by the things which he suffered. He was a man that dealt with suffering in his life, his, his life, his great life, his short life, his beautiful life, his powerful life was defined by self-sacrifice for greater good. 
this God-centeredness that has made him the centerpiece of the human family throughout all of history was empowered. He was empowered to spiritual greatness. Listen very closely this morning, but it had a cost. There was a cost to his ascendancy and his greatness for him being our savior. There was a cost connected with, with that. John 8 and 29, Jesus said, and he that sent me is with me. The father hath not left me alone. Notice what Jesus said, for I do always those things that please him. His life was defined by obeying his heavenly father, living a life of relationship and obedience to his heavenly father. So much that it consummates in Luke 22 and 42. Notice what in his humanity, listen to what the God man says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. Does that mean his human will is submitted to the divine will of his heavenly father? And Jesus' entire sacrificial godly life communicates with the singular, singularly greatest event in the history of all mankind. He lives his life as a child in infamy. Those that look at him and, and point to his illegitimacy. Those that watch him, heaped upon him as responsibility as a young boy. He's growing in wisdom and stature, favor with God and man. He's applying himself. He's giving himself to growth. He is going through suffering in life and he's learning and he's, and he's growing and he's developing. He, and he enters into an earthly ministry where he does nothing but singular and solitary good, healing the sick, raising the the dead teaching things that to this day are changing the course of humanity and all of that consummates with the singularly greatest event in the history of mankind do you know what it is perched atop a skull-shaped hill love met hate Life met death, and God met man. Nails were furiously pounded into his hands. Nails were pounded into his feet. They jeered him. They mocked him. They spit upon their maker. He is there suffering, innocent flesh. He is brutally beaten within an inch of his life. And he's taken to the hill of suffering. And upon that hill of suffering, our lovely Lord that lived a life of sacrifices, hanging, suspended between heaven and earth, the greatest event in the history of mankind. Can we say this morning, the cross of Jesus Christ. Its hideous heartbreak is honorable. Its savage symbolism is significant. The cross the execution of the God-man. And can I say here today, it's not the cross, it's his cross. He was not carrying someone else's cross. He was carrying his cross. He was carrying what had been laid upon him, the mission that had been put upon his life for all the good that he had done, all the wonders that he had done, the miracles and all that his life at its apex, it is him at this Sorrowful moment, this low moment of his life, he is carrying his cross. It is horrifying. It is scary. There are soldiers at the foot of the cross and they're gambling for his garments. There are those that are spitting upon him. There are those that are screaming epithets to him. They are mocking him. They are disparaging him. He is a Jewish holy man and he's hanging on this cross naked, the most embarrassing thing that could happen to a modest man. He's hanging upon the cross naked as they are jeering and laughing and screaming and crying. And the blood is oozing out of his, his head. It's oozing out of his limbs. He is there. He is weak. And he is, he is being tortured. He is embarrassed. It is a mockery. It is a debasement. And yet we come to church. And we sing songs like, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by faith 
I receive my sight. And now I am happy all the day. It is us that can show up on a Sunday morning and we walk under the shadow of the cross that's in the front of River of Life Church. It may be so consistent that we forget about it because it's just standing there as a mute reminder to us. The only reason that I'm here today, the only reason that I'm saved today is my suffering Lord, my good God, gave up his life on the cross. He bled. He suffered. He carried his cross. He carried the pain and the shame and the degradation. And I'm here today and I have the hope of eternity in my life. And one day I will not go to hell, but I would go to heaven because someone else did for me what I couldn't do for me. Oh, hallelujah. The redemption of Jesus that came because he, because he suffered, because he carried the cross, because he was willing, willing, willing. It was of his own will. He chose it. He, he, he relinquished his will and gave it to the will of his father. And he said, okay, not mine, but thine be done. I know it's coming my way. I know it's going to be painful. I know it's going to be horrible. I see what's going to happen. I foreseen where I'm heading. And yet in spite of all of that, I subjugate my will, his earthly will to the will of his heavenly father and as a result was willing to go to the cross and endure the pain and endure the shame knowing that for the joy that was set before him there was something that was coming after the cross. There was something that was coming after the brutality. There was something that was coming after the spilling of his blood. There was something that was coming after his self-debasement. There was something that was coming after his self-sacrifice and today we are here today and the church is born and the church is built because of the cross, the redemptive cross of Jesus. There is a church because of the cross, because of his cross, because of his sacrifice. There is a church here today because he said yes to the will of his father and he said no to his human will and he subjugated his will to the will of his father and we are here today because of his sacrifice so okay with that in mind Jesus taught his disciples this is not popular today but it's absolutely in fact I'm gonna say this I think it's the reason why the church in America is absolutely weak and anemic because of what I'm preaching here this morning Watch, Jesus taught his disciples. He said, disciples, how many disciples we have here this morning? He said, I'm, I'm going to teach my disciples. I'm going to teach you something. He said this. He said, I'm laying down the steps that I'm going to take and that I am expecting you to take. I don't think we're challenged enough to take those steps. And that's the challenge I feel laid upon me this morning. Jesus said, notice. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I am going to do my best to put the words of Jesus in my mouth and to speak them to you this morning. Because Jesus said, "You, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself. What does that mean? Deny myself. Me, 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 me. Are you talking about me, 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 me? Isn't it interesting that from the beginning of our, the birth of our life, we are born egocentric? You know what that means? If you ever see, we've got children in the church. Children in the church. Children, you know what? They're born. You know what they're saying? Give me food now or I will terrorize you with my scream. You ever, you ever seen parents that are subjugated to their three-year-old child in the middle of Walmart? As they throw themselves on the ground, they kick their legs and their feet and they say, I want Nonald's right now. Nonald's is McDonald's in case you didn't know. You don't give me not McDonald's, I'm going to scream my name. And, and you see a little three-year-old child that absolutely is imprisoned, a 30-year-old adult person because you know what children are are egocentric and and isn't it true about our lives it becomes very natural for us to be self-oriented 
right? Self-preservation. Me, 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 me. We don't say that because we're smart, too smart to do that. But we live our lives. It's me. It's self-preservation. It's self-promotion. It's self-will. It's self-ish. It's self-centered. It's self-conscious. Is it any wonder that, that uh, Paul told Timothy, he said one of the signs of the end times, he said, men are going to be lovers of their own selves. Everything is about me. It's me. Does this benefit me? What does this do for me? I'm not doing that because that doesn't benefit me. It's all about me. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow Jesus, it cannot, shall not, and will not be all about you. It can no longer be about me. He said, I've got to learn. If I'm going to walk with Jesus, I've got to learn how to deny myself. This scripture really struck me uh, probably a month ago. I was reading through Romans and this scripture. I don't know why I just, just leapt off the page. Romans 15 and 1. It says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Notice what he said. We that are strong bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Isn't that like counterculture, counterintuitive, counter self? That, that I need to be thinking not just about me all the time. I got to be thinking about others. Not just please ourselves, not to please ourselves. Listen is what it says. Let every one of us please his neighbor, his neighbor for his good to edification. In other words, it's not just about me. It's not about me. It's about my neighbor. It's about the people I come into contact with. It's about my brothers, my sisters, my family, others in my life. It's not always about, is this best for me? It's about, is this good for them? And is it good for their edification, for their upbuilding? Because I'm looking out, I'm just not looking out for me anymore. Because when we come to God, we come to God selfish. We come to God self-centered. But all of a sudden we see the, the, the immediate and powerful example of the greatest life who's ever been lived, who said, guess what I'm doing this not for me because this isn't good right now for me this is painful this is brutal but I'm not doing this for me I'm doing this for you it says to deny himself deny himself self needs to be and I and I'm, I'm sharing this with the church because this is what Jesus taught his disciples and we're all disciples here I'm sharing this with the church to remind all of us that if we're going to have victory and power in our lives, this principle has to be at the forefront and at the center. It's not about me anymore. It's not about self. It's not about what I can get. And, and, and that's what is constantly vying for the control of my life. What do I want? What do, what do I want? And it, listen, if a person does not get this new believer that's here today, you're, you're in a war right now. You're now on the winning side. You now have the help of the Holy Ghost. You now have your sins remitted and washed away. But can I tell you, there's now a battle that's going on for your will. Come on, church. There's a battle that's going on for your will right now. And you, you that have been around the block a few times, you've been in the church for a little while, you've learned how to fight this battle. And you've realized some of the battle you've had to fight with the help of the Lord is yourself and shutting yourself down and allowing God to have his way in your life and denying yourself things that used to the world tells you, you deserve it. You can have it. You can do whatever you want. You come in the church, your sins are washed away. The power of sin is broken, but all of a sudden, listen, new believer, listen, you're now starting to learn that it's not all about me anymore and there are things in my life uh, that used to bind and control my life uh, that I've got to learn to deny. Mm. You're like, I like this church until right now. I used to, I really like this church until right now. It's the truth though. You want to go to heaven? You want to live for God? You want spiritual power in your life? This is a principle you will have to learn. No, listen, listen, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to this. Nobody can deliver you from this. You can't, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't short circuit the process. You can't say, oh man, I don't want to go through that. It's, it's the process all of us have to go through. He said, deny thyself. I told you it was going to get ugly. And he said, take up your cross. Can I tell you today, you have a cross that has your name on it. I have a cross with my name on it. I have a cross that has my, it's not your cross, this is my cross. It's my cross. There are things in my life that I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to take it up.
and I'm gonna have, there are some things I'm going to have to carry. There are some things that I'm going to have to carry. They're painful. There are some things that I'm going to have to carry that I don't want to carry. There are some things in my life that I don't want to go through. But can I tell you, I'm going to have to go through it. There are some things that I'm going to have to get over in my life. There, there are some, can I preach here this morning? There are some addictions that I'm going to have to break in my life if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Fornication can no longer have a, a ruling force in my life anymore. Come on, pornography can, if I'm going to carry my cross, there are some things that I'm going to have to carry. There are some things I'm going to have to bury. There are some things that are going to have to die. There are some things that are going to be painful. There are some things that are going to be clinging and hanging on to me from my past that are going to try to define my future. But somehow or another, Jesus said, I'm going to have to deny myself. I'm going to have to take up the cross that has my name upon it. I'm going to have to carry some of the things that I don't want to carry. I'm going to go through some situations in life. Uh, they may be temporary, but they're going to be seasons that I may go through uh, of temptation and accusation and difficulty in my life. And I say, oh God, if somehow I could just take this cup from me. But the Lord says, no, I'm not taking it from you. You're going to carry this for a season. You're going to carry this for a time. You're going to pick up your cross. People are going to, are going to hate you. Situations are going to come against you. You're going to have trials in your life that feel like they're overcoming. You're going to have situations in your life that you're going to say, nobody understands where I'm at. And you know what? They might not understand where you're at because it's not their cross. It's, it's your cross. You're carrying something in your life that is painful. You're carrying something in your life that is difficult and you can't short circuit the process because if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus you're going to have to learn how to carry that old rugged cross my lovely Lord did it and if Jesus did it I'm going to have to do it there's going to be some self-denial in this thing there's going to be some carrying some heavy loads in this thing there's going to be some situations in life that I'm going to rue the day that I have to deal with it but oh deal with it I must if I'm going to grow, there are going to be some crosses. There are going to be some losses. There are going to be some things that are going to bleed out of my life. My rebelliousness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pastor had a cross to carry. Guess what it was? It was rebelliousness. Because I was a teenager that nobody was going to tell me nothing about nothing. I don't care who you are. I'm going to do what I want to do. But guess what? You can't walk with Jesus and have that attitude. I had to carry a cross for a season. It was a season of self-denial. It was a season of difficulty. It was a season that I was tried. It was a season, are you ready, that God sent people into my life to chastise me. He sent people in my life to correct me. He put people into my life that, oh, it hurt. But in the end, I thank God it hurt so good because it was at the cross. It's at the cross where certain things in my life, they die. They die, they die. Certain things in my life, they die. I cruci I'm crucified with Christ. There are things in my life that I die to. And I fear that the American church is not hearing enough of a challenge that there are things in life you cannot call yourself a disciple of Jesus and do some things. You cannot call yourself a disciple of Jesus and say some things. You cannot say I'm a disciple of Jesus and live with this false, uh, unconditionally eternal security idea that I can do what I want as I please and still call myself a child of God and hope to walk on heaven's shore someday because it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's not the truth. America needs to be confronted. We've got to repent. We've got to die to ourselves. Discipleship is not just going to church. We have not fulfilled our discipleship duty just because we've gone to church. Can I tell you, this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is a willful choice to care about what Jesus cares about. I'm going to say it again. 
Discipleship is a willful decision that is made in a person's life that God is God and I'm going to allow, are you ready, his will to become my will. I'm going to let what God wants to reign superior above what I want. There's some things in my life I'm going to have to carry a cross. I'm going to have to face myself. I'm going to have to allow the Lord in his kindness and his goodness because he knows if we don't do it, it'll destroy us. There are things in our life that it's a cross with my name on it. It's a cross with certain things in my life that I'm, I'm going to have to carry. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I've got to carry my cross. Can I give a little hope here to someone this morning? Because in the midst of this journey, it's challenging to learn, isn't it? How many cross carriers do we have here today? It's difficult to learn. It's difficult. It's challenging. And in your learning, there are going to be times that you fail. I really felt like the Lord gave this to me. Jesus, uh, Jesus said, Matthew 26, 34, very, notice the star disciple of Jesus. His name is Peter. He looks at Peter. Jesus looks at Peter, a star disciple. Verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crow, before the rooster crows, he says, thou, thou, he said, Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, he said, he said, before that rooster crows for the third time, he said, I see something coming, and you are going to deny me three times. I mean, that's, that's depressing. Like a pastor coming up to you and saying, hey, you know what? You're going to fail God. It's going to happen three times. I want to call people by name, but I don't want to be obnoxious. Huh? You're going to fail. You're going to fail God. Hit me, Sean. Don't, don't say that because you're the first one popped into my head. You said amen. I'm like, okay, Sean. You're going you're gonna to deny Jesus three times. What would most of us say in the presence of Jesus? Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee yet. Are you kidding me? Never, never. I'll never do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fail. I, I, I. And he said, yet you're going to deny me thrice. And then, you know, because Peter was kind of like the outspoken brash one and all that group of disciples. And then it said, likewise, also said all the disciples. They're like, oh, yeah, no. he, Peter said, he's, he's right. Yep, we're, no, no, we're never going to deny. We'll never do that. And yet Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me. Here, here's the message. Here's the message. Because when, when, when Peter was faced with the crucible of his own challenge in his life, and he was all alone and roasting by the fire there. And he's standing with them. And they say, aren't you one of his? No, not, not me. Because when the fire was on and he was all alone and the pressure was there. And there was no support. He's by himself. Jesus isn't there. And, and, and the accusations are coming. He folded. He folded. He, he, he denied. He denied Jesus. But can I tell you why he denied Jesus? He denied Jesus because he didn't deny himself. I'm going to say it again. He denied Jesus because he didn't deny himself. At that moment, it was about self-preservation. At that moment, I can't let them know that I'm really his disciple. They got an inkling of an idea. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to be a, try to be a camouflage Christian. I'm going to hide. No, I'm not. I don't want anybody to know that. I just got to blend in right now. I can't stick out like a sore thumb. And he folded just like that. And he, he, but he denied Jesus because he didn't deny himself. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, if I don't learn how to deny myself, listen to me very closely. If I don't learn to deny myself, then I will deny Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you are like, I would never say I deny Jesus. No, you won't deny Jesus, but you may deny Jesus in your actions. When the pressure's on and you do life your way, when the pressure's on and you succumb to the sin, that easily besets you. When the pressure comes your way and you're not in church on a Sunday morning singing, I got to praise, I got to get it out. And, and, and when you're not in the group of other people that are strong and bolstering your faith and you're by yourself and in that moment it's so easy to not deny myself and just to do what I, my flesh wants to do and to do what I want to do and not to deny myself. And then in effect, when I don't deny myself, I've denied my Lord. The good news that I have, though, 
is Jesus is so good to us. How many is thankful for that? I'm thankful for the mercy of God because Jesus did not take Peter up, wad him and throw him away. He was the same one that preached on the day of Pentecost. But don't you think for one second that when that rooster <laughs> went cock-a-doodle-doo, number one, number two, I wish I had a rooster sound right now. It really helped for the sake of effect. But when the third time that rooster crew, and all of a sudden, the Bible says, then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Then Peter was like, oh, my God, yes, Jesus warned me about that. Oh, I did exactly what I said I would never do. And he wept bitterly, and he, and he repented. He repented because on this pathway of learning how to deny yourself, there's going to be failures that you have. There's going to be times that you fail God. We have all failed God. All like sheep have gone astray. All of us at some moment, we deny him when we don't deny ourselves. And we do the thing we said we'd never do or say the thing we said we'd never say or go the place we said we'd never go and all of a sudden we're trapped in it but oh I thank God for the mercy of the Lord that in learning this thing of self-denial and learning how to allow Jesus to reign supreme in my life that he's merciful in my life and he's helpful in my life and there's a redeeming hand that blood-stained hand that will reach down to me and even in my failure say yes I warned you that you would deny me but I warned you so that when it happened you would know that it happened and so that you can learn something from it that you don't have to go back to the same vomit go back to the same junk that you were in but all of a sudden you can learn from it and you can get back up and never find yourself in the same position that you've been in time and time and time again when I learn how to deny myself and take up my cross I'll carry my cross Jesus I'll carry my cross until I die to this thing Some of you are going to carry your cross until you stop your sinning and you die. Isn't that what Jesus did? He carried his cross. They nailed him upon it and he died. I want to make a few points here that I think are very, very, very important. I've thought about this this week in study. Self-denial, if you're taking notes, is not just putting ourselves down. Okay? Listen very closely. Self-denial is not self-flagellation. Self-denial does not mean I hate me, I hate me, I hate me. That's not self-denial. That's self-abuse. That's not what it is. Listen very closely. Self-denial, listen, is submitting to the will of God. I don't think you got it. Self-denial is submitting to the will of God. Self-denial is just not saying no to myself. It's not just saying no to myself. It's saying yes to God's will that is in conflict with my will. Self-denial is saying not, okay, this is what God wants, but this is what I want, but what I want happens to be different than what God wants. And if you want to know what God wants, uh, we ought to thank God today we got a beautiful Bible that tells us what God wants out of our lives. And, and, and when all of a sudden it's in con what God wants is in conflict with what I want, that's when I practice self-denial. And I say, no, absolutely not. I'm going to do the will of God in my life. I'm going to deny the will of the flesh. I'm going to crucify and let it die and mortify the will of the flesh what I want to do my thoughts and my ways and I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to say no to my will but when God reveals his will to my life that I will submit to the will of God in my life that is self-denial it's not arbitrary because listen Jesus the cross that Jesus suffered on was for God's will you understand that? Because redemption was wrapped up in this thing right here. Someone had to die for the sins of mankind. 
No human being is going to go, oh, I want to go through that. No, the human will says no. But the higher will of God was there had to be a sinless sacrifice. There had to be someone, the perfect lamb. The perfect lamb had to bleed and die. And as any human being would be in their will, would say, I don't want to go, oh, that cup, to drink from that cup. I'm going to drink of the suffering of all humanity, the sin of all humanity from the beginning of, of Adam and Eve all the way to the end of time is going to be in that cup. And I'm going to have to drink that cup. And I'm a pure and holy man. And I don't want to do that. But oh, not my will, thine be done. And carrying a cross means that I'm being willing to submit my life to the will of God. It's carrying the cross means I want God's will in my life more than I want my will in my life. I want God's will in my life. That's what self-denial looks like. Self-denial looks like when your stupid tongue is just getting ready to spit out hateful words. Bleep, 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 bleep. When your stupid tongue wants to do that, I take my tongue and it's on the tip of your tongue, but you say, no, I'm taking up my cross. I'm dying to the will of God because that's not how God would have me to talk. You've been hurt and hate is forming a crust on your heart. And you know you have a right to hate. But you say, oh God, I'm going to forgive those which have despitefully used me. I'll carry my cross. Oh, I, I, I want vengeance. I, 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 I want to fight back. I want to, I want to destroy them because they're destroying me. But I say, no, I'm, I'm taking up my cross and, and I am forgiving. I'm forgiving. I'm forgiving. It may not be what my flesh wants, but oh, it's what, it's what you want, God, for my life. And so I'll carry my cross. When the lonely night and the cold bed you've been sleeping in could be filled with someone else for the night, and yet you say no to a hookup. I'm preaching to real people here today. And you say, no, yes, that's what my flesh wants. No, I don't want to be lonely anymore, but I'm going to carry the cross because God said that's not my, that's not his will for my life. And if it's not his will for my life, I've got to, I've got to deny myself. I've got to take up my, because right now in this moment, it's 1130 at night and I'm carrying this cross of mine. And this is the cross that Jesus has me to carry at this moment of my life. I'm going to carry this cross. I, I'm going to, I'm going to practice self denial in my life because if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus I've got to carry my cross you want to pastor in San Diego but God says Grand Rapids <laughs> the beautiful thing about the will of God is once you carry your cross something better is coming Tell you what the greatest missionary who ever lived, a godly man, a dedicated man. What was part of his secret? First Corinthians 15, 31. I want to read this in the Amplified. This is what Paul said. I assure you by the pride which I have in you and your fellowship and union with Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice what Paul said. That I die daily. I, this is what Amplified says. I face death every day and die to self. I want to make a, a strong correction here. When Paul said I die daily, that is not repenting. Repentance is for sins committed. When you repent, you are, you, are, you are asking for forgiveness. You are making an about turn from something which you have committed. That is a big difference between living a crucified life. G, or, or Paul said here, he said, I die daily. What does that mean? That means that I'm carrying my cross, that I'm not allowing my will to rise up and to do what, what it wants to do, but I am denying myself. I am carrying my cross. No wonder he lived such a powerful life. He lived a powerful life because he was crucified with Christ and he let that old life that he used to live die and he let it stay dead. Some of you that were here on our Wednesday nights, don't make me bring Jackson back up here. Jackson and Ron. You got the old man, you got the new man. And the old man is dead. Amen. That means what? The, the, the old man went down into that tank. We talk a lot about water baptism, but we don't talk enough about what happens in that tank. And if, if you don't get it right, you're going to act like it's baptismal regeneration. If you don't get it right, you're going to think it's just magic. 
You're just going to go like, oh, went in a tank. That's all there is to it. That's not. There, there is something that happens in that tank. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, but it is a death. It is a death. When I go into that tank, the old Ron Lichter went into that tank and died. He's laying at the bottom of that tank. He's dead. He's dead. Not that tank, but you know what I'm saying. It's a long time ago. But he died. And so the question is, am I going to reach down into that tank and pull the old man up out of that tank and live like a sinner, though I call myself a saint? I can't do that anymore. And thank God I don't have to do that anymore. Okay, here we go. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Okay? So, Jesus carried his cross. He was crucified and died. Good news is coming. Three days later, Something happened. You know what happened? That dead, mortified corpse that was laying on a stone-cold slab, the Spirit came into that crucified body. The Spirit of God came into that crucified body. And all of a sudden, eyes began to twitch. Warm blood began to flow. Limbs began to move. He sat up. And that which was dead came back to life. Mm. There was a resurrection. Yes, the cross. Yes, self-denial. <laughs> but it leads to revival. To revival. But you can't get revival without going the way of the cross. If you're going to have a resurrection, resurrection has to be preceded by crucifixion. But I got good news today that if, if you are crucified with Christ, it said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm done. I'm done. The Spirit will come in and will help us. So when we are crucified, when we, die, when we carry our cross, yes, we have to do that. We carry our cross. There are things that we die to. Billy Joe, there are things that we die to, man. When we come to God, there are things in our life starts to fall away. We carry our cross. We're reminded on a daily basis, especially in the beginning. There are thoughts. Uh, there are attitudes. There are sins uh, that are trying to easily beset us. Uh, but at that time, we're, we're saying, no, that's not what I want because I want God's will in my life. I want the will of God. No, I'm I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to bleed through this thing. I'm going to suffer. No, 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 no. No, I'm not doing that. No, the old man's not coming back alive. But oh, the good news is uh, there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost that'll come into your life. There's a power of the Spirit that will come into your life. Uh, there's a baptism of power that will come into your life. Uh, into the crucified corpse uh, comes the power of the Spirit, uh, the rising power of God. And when the power of God fills that dead mortal body, and raises it up all of a sudden healing comes all of a sudden wholeness comes all of a sudden restoration comes all of a sudden the things that have been destroyed by the flesh are now resurrected by the spirit and now we're seeing things in our life that never worked and this is why we have people in the church now look at them, look at them, look at them they're doing so good. They're so beautiful. You look at their lives and you're like, and I could just start naming people. There's so many. Primarily first generation Pentecost, most of you. And, and you, we could have you just stand and throw out this place and it's, it's redemption and lift and you're not what you used to be. You don't even think like you used to think. You don't act like you used to act. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't go to the place you used to go to. You spend your money different. You care for people different. You're not an abuser. You're kind. You're good. Where did all that come from? It's not because we just got a nice little church that has a nice reform program. We don't have a 12-step reform. We have a three-step rebirth program. You must be born again. 
And if you're born again, old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm crucified with Christ. The past is gone. My sins are washed away. I'm learning a new way of life and I'm dying to the flesh. I'm dying to it. I'm crucified. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. But it doesn't end there. When I learn how to take up my cross, then guess what? Resurrection's coming. Restoration's coming. A rebuilding's coming. The things the devil stole from me, God's going to bring back into my life. The things that made a wreck of my life and a mockery of my life, God starts to re-add into my life. And look at my life now. It's a byproduct of self-denial to revival. Stand together with me this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do you get it? This is the process. This is the process. This is how it happens. This is how it happens, folks. So when you are challenged and the enemy is tempting you to sin, what you need to say is no. (laughs) I'm crucified. I'm denying myself. I'm preaching to a church that's in the middle of a media fast. And you know what? I just, I, what, here's what I know. I know that good things are coming. And I know that good things are coming because there's a lot of people that are strategically making sure that they're placing themselves in the right position. And that position is a position of self-denial. Oh. In the beginning, it's different because we've lived our whole lives doing what, we, what I want to do. I've lived my whole life doing I'm doing what I want to do. But guess what? We come to a place where we take ourselves off of the throne and we put God on the throne and we say, okay, God, what you want me to do with my life, even when it's in contradiction with what I want to do with my life. I'm telling you the fundamental difference between a victorious child of God in the church and one who is a continual and consistent in and out, upside down, just failing. The difference is the person that learns how to practice self-denial and take up a cross and then wait for the restoring resurrection power of God to come into their life and God then empowers you. So I'm saying well done, church. Well done. You that engaged in fasting this week, you that engaged because we're just exercising that spiritual muscle of self-denial, taking up our cross. (laughs) What I know Jesus is going to raise us up. Hallelujah. I'm wondering this morning how many is going to continue to join us on that journey? How many is going to join us on that journey? What do you say we do that together? What do you say we walk with God?